Now, we've been talking about risk the last few times in between the guest speakers when I was gone a couple of weeks. I'm going to finish it up today. And I want to talk to you about the risk of change. The risk of change. And let's read together Luke chapter 1, or Luke chapter 5, rather, verse 1, if you have your Bibles with you. Let's, let's read the story again because it's been a few weeks since we read it, and I love this story. And, of course, it is a genuine historical account of what happened. It's not a fairy tale. Amen? It's history. So it was, starting Luke 5, verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James. If you don't have your Bible, it's up there on the screen for you. So it was as the multitude pressed about him. Why did they come? Read the next words. To to hear the Word of God. They came to him to hear the Word of God. That he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And it's in the boat he got into where all the action begins to happen. Things happen when Jesus gets in your boat. Now, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking... He said to Simon, Okay, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night long and caught nothing. He could have stopped there and missed a miracle. But the next word saved him. What is it? Nevertheless, at your word, Lord, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Now, you know, we read that and we go, oh, man, you know, okay, that's cool. How many of you have ever fished? How many of you guys in here have fished for bass? Come on, or gals, I don't care. You know, I lived on the lake. I, I bass fished. I can't even imagine. If I went out in my little bass boat and I said, Lord, bless me today. And all of a sudden, I started hauling in so many bass that I had to call for somebody just a stone's throw away from me in another boat to come help me. And then we caught so many that both boats began to sink from the weight of all those black bass. Ooh, that gave me a chill just talking about it. Because <laughs> there's nothing like when a bass hits that line. So you can imagine the disciples here are freaked out. They know this is supernatural. Verse 7, they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they both came, or they, they came and filled both the boats, and they both began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he knew what he was dealing with, fell down on his Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He, he knew this was God. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, here comes your calling, Simon. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And then verse 11, we close. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook everything and followed him. My, my, my. In the word so rich. You can read that and just go home. It's so rich. Let's pray. Father, help us to see what you have for us today. I really do pray that you put, pull scales off of eyes. 
veils off of hearts and help us to see what you have called us to become. Will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me today. Change my life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him God heard that prayer. Tell him you're in for some change. Amen. Now, so far in this series, we've talked about three kinds of risk. The risk of vulnerability, making yourself vulnerable to God. The risk of obedience, stepping out in what He's telling you to do. And the risk of letting go. We're all, we all cling and cleave to certain things, and sometimes those things are keeping us from God's best. And there comes a time when God says, I want you to let go of that so I can give you this. I want you to turn from that so you can turn towards this. We must let go in order to lay hold. And that's just God's way. But the last kind of risk I want to talk about today is the risk of change, because that's risky. Now, it's never risky to God. He knows He's not going to hurt us. But in our minds, when we're faced with major change, it's risky for us. We really wonder, what's He going to do with me if I really sell out? Better put, what's He going to do to me if I really sell out? Now, words matter, Bible words particularly. Let me just show you a couple of things. Watch, watch this closely. When Luke records Jesus simply informing the disciples that from now on you're going to catch men, he says, from now on you're going to catch men. So it's just sort of this blanket, Jesus informing them, this is what you're going to be doing in the future. You're going to be catching men. Mark, when he gives us an account of this, he makes a distinction. He adds two words that Luke doesn't. And here's how it reads in Mark. He says, follow me, and I will make you to become. I will make you to become fishers of men. Now, there's two words in there that are very, very important, make and become. They're loaded with truth. He said, follow me. Not just you're going to fish for men, but I'm going to make you to become fishers of men. Now, the first word is make. The word make is from a Greek word that means a work or workmanship. Now, we're told in the Bible that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So, we are His workmanship. Uh, we're on the potter's wheel. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but if you're seeking the Lord and walking with Him, and there's no sin blocking your life, or you're really living in, in known sin, but you're, you're, you're clear and clean, you're walking with the Lord, you're being changed every day. You're on the potter's wheel. You are being changed. You are His ongoing daily workmanship until the day that we go to heaven. We're His workmanship. He's working on us. So we, we can look at a beautiful house and say, somebody made and crafted and created a really stunning home. That's the word make, make. I will make you to become. The same word is used in Romans 1 where Paul says, if you want to know some things about God, he is understood through what has been made. He's talking about the universe that God created. This did not just come about. This was made, created, designed by the Grand Designer, capital D. And he says, God made it. God made all of this. He made you. He made me. He made the trees. Everything you see, taste, touch, feel, and smell, God made it. 
And Jesus uses the same word when he says, I'm going to make you to become. I'm going to make you to become. That's telling us he's going to make us. He's going to make us into something we would not be if he hadn't made us. I'm going to make you to become something you would never be if I did not make you to become that. I'm in the changing business. Now, the word become is powerful. It means a change of condition. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you to become, I'm going to change the way you are. I'm going to change the condition. I'm going to change you from the inside out. It means a tra transitioning from one condition or state of being to another. In other words, the word become I'm going to make you to become is the word for change. It's a word for radical change. Jesus changes us. Can I tell you that, that what Jesus does is an inside job. It's not just changing the way you act on the outside, but you change the way you act on the outside because of the change that has been done on the inside. I'm going to change you. I'm going to change the way you are. I'm going to change your very nature. If any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation, a brand new species of being that has never been before. Uh, I, if any man is in Christ, any woman in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Behold, the old is passed away and all, everybody say all with me, all is become, there's that word, new. I'm going to make you to become something you could never be if I didn't lay my hand on you. How many of you can say, boy, since I came to Jesus, I may not be what I'm going to be, but I'm sure not what I used to be. Come on. I'm not what I used to be. It's so very, very true. He changes us on the inside. Getting close to Jesus and following Jesus means change. You will never follow him and not be changed. He's going to change you. He makes all things to work together for the good, for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. And then it goes on to tell us that he might form us and fashion us into the shape of his own son. We are growing up in the fullness of the stature of Christ. We are people on the potter's wheel who are being changed by His Spirit, by His Word, and by our obedience to His dealings with us. Change. Everybody say with me, change. change. Now, i got a newsflash for you. If you don't like change, get out now because the Lord is going to change you. And how many of you can honestly say, boy, Jeff, I would love to be changed? Come on. Didn't, it's your flesh. It's that old you that got you in all your trouble anyway. Don't you want the Lord to change you? Like our speaker said last week, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. I like that. That's true. You've got to flex and flow with Jesus. You can't get stuck in a rut. When the disciples let go of everything, watch this. There they are, just going through a normal night of fishing. They didn't catch a thing. They're putting, cleaning their nets, folding all their equipment up, ready to go home, empty-handed. And suddenly here is this man on the seashore with a great crowd of people listening to him. And he says, let me in your boat. Let me in your boat. I'm going to get in your boat, Peter. So he get in the, God gets in the boat and pushes out a little bit from shore. And Peter does not know his life just changed. That he would never be the same after letting him into his boat. That he would never again be the same. He had no idea when he woke up 
that morning and went out that night and was sitting on the sea all night long catching nothing, that in just a few hours his life would be radically changed and he would never be the same again. And as soon as Jesus got in that boat, as soon as you let him into your life, let Jesus into your boat and tell me you're the same. Tell me things stay the same. Jesus teaches from his boat. Peter's listening as well. Wow, this guy speaks like nobody I've ever heard. He's saying things I've never heard. He's not like a typical rabbi that I hear in the synagogue. No, no, no. He's alive. He's powerful. There's something absolutely compelling about this man. He hung on every word, and then Jesus said, okay, thanks for letting me use your boat. Now launch out into the deep. I'm going to give you something for letting me use your boat. So Peter had no idea who he was dealing with. He says, Lord, you don't get it. I've caught nothing all night long. They're not, they're not biting tonight. Nevertheless, at your word, at your word, I'll go. It's when we do his word that our life is changed. It's when we obey his word. Uh, the, the common becomes the uncommon. The natural becomes the unnatural. The, the natural becomes the supernatural. So he says, so I'll go based on your word and just picture it. Two boats sinking from a boat sinking, net break, breaking, unprecedented, never before seen by any of them. Catch a fish. Let him into your boat. Let him into your boat. Say, Jesus, come into my life. And you're going to find that change begins immediately. Now let me tell you the truth about you and me. When it comes to change, no, none of us really much like it. Some of you, you're in the same chair you were in last week, and you've been there a year. And if somebody took that chair, we'd have words in church because your name's not on it, but you think it's yours because I know I see you every week. You're sitting in the same chair. You're sitting right there. You get there in time to put your Bible down in that chair. It's my chair because you don't like change. And if we moved you from here to over here, you'd be scowling the whole time. I, I got out of my chair. Somebody took my chair. It's not of God. I don't witness to it at all. Right, Jane? Right, Judy? I, I'm, I'm looking at them. Now watch this. We don't like being uprooted. We like predictability. We like familiar surroundings. We like old friends. We like playing it safe, and we like the same old, same old. We don't like our boat rocked. We don't like change. When it really comes, major change, radical change, we don't, we don't like it much. It's scary to us. We don't like being uprooted. We don't like new locations where you don't know anybody. We don't like having to adopt and adapt and flex and stretch and change. We don't like it. The following Jesus immediately presents the challenge of change. Discipleship every time will call you out of your lazy boy, out of your comfort zone, away from the safety of the shore, and into the deep waters of radical change. In fact, I can tell you that for many years of just working with people, pastoring now 32, 33 years, and I've seen Christians come and go in all kinds. I've seen, listen, I've seen the underbelly of the church, the upper belly of the church, and all the internals of the church. And let me tell you something. 
I can't tell you how often the prospect of change is what keeps so many people from, uh, from really diving in, and they just keep walking around the edges without really diving in because they're afraid of what God's going to do to them, it, it, what change might mean. But Jesus said to Peter, and he says to all of us, I want you to launch out into the deep. I want you to get out there in the deep water. I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your net of faith for a catch. I want to rock your world. That's what he was really telling Peter. I want to rock your world. You're about to see God, but it's going to require you going into the deep. If you want to see God move and supernatural things happen, you can't stay on the safety of the shore. You've got to be willing to launch out into the deep water on the Word of God and let down your net of faith. Let down your faith and see what God does. You know, the risk of change really has to do with trust. We don't trust God so often. We don't trust Him. Because he's not uptight about us trusting him. When he knows he wants to change us, he knows he wants to do it for our good. He's not up there saying, oh, no, what if they change? Or I'm afraid what my change is going to bring to them. No, he is longing for us to open up so he can change us into what he wants us to become. I'm going to make you to become. It's us that are uptight about it. Will I end up in a good place if I go all in with Jesus? Or am I going to end up in, in some kind of trouble? Let me, let me tell you a true story. True story. Many years ago, a man named Blondin strung a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he proceeded with his little balancing beam to traverse the raging waters going across that tightrope with the Niagara Falls underneath him. And he made it to the other side. Well, no doubt, immediately there's a crowd. A crowd gathered as he successfully made his way back to his starting place. And then he said to the crowd, now that he's got them, really got them, who here believes that I can cross over Niagara Falls again, but this time pushing a wheelbarrow? The exhilarated crowd, all pumped up now. Oh, we believe, we believe. Go for it. Sure enough, Blondin steered that wheelbarrow successfully across the falls and back to the riotous applause of the onlookers. Then he said, who here believes that I can cross over Niagara Falls a third time, but this time with a man in the wheelbarrow? The crowd can barely control their enthusiasm. So spectacular were the achievements of this death-defying type rotist, ropist, rotist, they said, we believe, we believe, they shouted. We know you can do it. He said, okay, then who will be my first volunteer in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You know why it was so quiet? Because we're okay as long as it's not us. But faith is getting in the wheelbarrow not just screaming, I believe. Right? Now, let me tell you, when was the last time you were in God's wheelbarrow? When was the last time you were in God's wheelbarrow? When was the last time you were there? Or are you on the sidelines telling everybody else who's willing to get in it, hey, you go, man, I know you can do it. 
But what about you? See, God's got his hand on you. You're called to walk by faith and not by sight. You're called to make a difference in this world. And that's where I'm going with this today. Um, This year, let me just promise you, Turning Point's getting in the wheelbarrow. And you're welcome to come. We're getting in the wheelbarrow. We're all about IOU, inreach, outreach, upreach. Inreach is building Christ in every person. Outreach is reaching every person for Christ. Upreach is leading every person into the presence of Christ. And we're going to go for it full bore, pedal to the metal. We're going for it. And we're all getting in wheelbarrows to do it. We're going to do some things and go some places and reach some people that we've never reached before. And it's going to take some faith guts. It's going to take some grit. It's going to take some warfare. It's going to take some prayer. It's going to be ringing that bell, pulling that rope. But you only live once, and then you die and go to heaven. And while I'm here, I want to make a difference. I want God to use my life. I want to see the power of God move. I don't want to sit soaking sour in some church and never do anything with my life for God. I want to be his vessel that he can use. I want to say, here am I, send me. I want God to use this church to rock this world. I want to make a difference. What about you? Come on, everybody. Well, you know, Jeff, you know, I'm kind of young in God, and I think I'm going to stay in my little boat of safety and watch what happens to you guys. Well, let me tell you something. When you're through changing, you're through. I've seen far too many people stagnate in their spiritual walk because they're unwilling to make changes. They don't want to change. You know what? Let me tell you the truth. Playing it safe when it comes to walking with Jesus is the most unsafe thing you can do. Playing it safe when it comes to walking with Jesus is so unsafe. Let me tell you why. Because safety is not found in the familiar or the predictable or in the same old, same old. That's not where safety is found. Safety is found when you're in the dead center bullseye of the epicenter of the will of God for your life. That's where safety is. Safety is of the Lord. So first, we've got to shake off the fear of change if we're going to change. Can you say with me, let's shake off the fear of change. Second, I need to say something to balance this out. Godly change never means changing your convictions. It never means changing your convictions. Blessed is the Christian who can adjust to changing circumstances without changing his values. He hasn't called us to change our values. He's called us to change our methods. He's called us to flex and flow, and we can change that way. We can change in becoming more Christ-like. But it will never require us to give up truth or bend truth or give up our values in order to change. I will never give up my convictions about Jesus to reach a world for Jesus. The walk we're called to is the one of knowing when to stand firm and when to bend. When do you stand firm? You stand firm when it's truth. You do not bend truth. You don't give up on truth. You don't dilute truth. You don't pollute truth. You don't water truth down. Because what people are starving for is truth. Unapologetically, straight up, truth. That's what they want. And we're never to bend away from truth when it comes to God's Word. 
See, we're going to reach people. We're reaching people right now in, with methods I've never used before. We're utilizing the, the Internet more and more and more. It's free. Hallelujah. I love those, th- that word of four letters, free. Free. And we're going to be doing all kinds of more video. We're, we're just about finished with our upstairs audio video rooms. We're going to be reaching the world. We're changing our methods. We will flex and change our methods, but we will never change the message. The message is Christ and Him crucified. There's only one way to heaven, and you're not going to get there by Buddha. You're not going to get there by Muhammad. You're not going to get there by hugging a tree. You're not going to get there by your own good works. You're going to get to heaven by Jesus on the cross shedding His blood for you. And that message will never change. Never change. So, so methods change, but the message never does. We change, but truth never does. Now, here's where I really want to go. This, this is good. Last thing I want to say about change is this. The changed always become the changers. Changed people change people. I believe there's three kinds of people in the world. I really do. hate to be this simple, simplistic, but I believe there's three kinds of people in the world. Those who are unchangeable, if you're married to one, don't look. Look up at me. Okay? The unchangeable, those who are changeable, and those who cause change. Three kinds of people. The unchangeable, the changeable, and those who cause change. The unchangeable... When I was a kid, I used to go out in the woods all the time, and I would look for rocks, crystals and, and, and um, uh, pyrite and different rocks that I thought were kind of cool to gather as a kid. And, and one thing I always looked for as well was petrified wood, fossils, petrified wood. You know what petrified wood is? It's wood that has turned to stone. It is wood that has turned to stone. It used to be living wood. It used to be green, thriving, living, and now... It has turned to stone. One thing you can't do with petrified wood is change it because it's a stone now. It used to be alive. Now it's dead. If, if you see it from a distance, you think, oh, there's a, there's a piece of bark. There's a piece of alive wood. But when you pick it up, it's dead. It's stony. It is, it is a rock now. And there are some Christians that way. <laughs> oh, I preached in those churches. You can turn cartwheels and spit nickels and pull rabbits out of hats, and they're not going to move. You can't squeeze an amen out of some of these petrified churches. I'm serious. They are petrified. Now, I don't mean filled with terror. I mean they have become stone. See, when you resist change, you're on your way to becoming petrified. See, that, 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 that wood is it's petrified now, but it used to be living wood connected to a tree that was bringing forth fruit. But now it has become rock, and it will never change again. It is frozen in time, a, an image of what it once was. And some of you, I don't know about, this is a very alive church, but some of you watching by video, and maybe some of you in here, 
Somewhere along the way, you resisted change. God said, I want you to give up this, give up that, go here, go there, do this, do that. I I want this in your life to be laid down so I can give you this. I want you to let go so you can lay hold. And you didn't like the terms of the agreement, so you said no. And when we say no to the nudges of the Holy Spirit, we cease changing. And when we cease changing, if you're not careful and you resist it long enough, you're petrified. You live in back then. Your best memory is when you were alive before you were petrified. Oh, yeah, I was saved 40 years ago. Hallelujah. Well, what are you doing now? Like I said, I was saved 40 years ago. Hallelujah. But, 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 but what's been happening? You know, are you growing? Are you going to church? Like I said. I was saved 40 years ago. (laughs) Is that all you can tell me? That's all I've got left. I'm petrified. (laughs) How sad. See, here's the deal. There's the unchangeable. God bless them. God help them. The unchangeable. But then there are those who are changeable. And and here's where I want to go. The changeable are those who end up changing others. And, And they are the ones who change the world. See, the disciples did not petrify. When Jesus wanted them to change, they changed. And they had to do all kinds of changing. They had to open themselves up to all kinds of change. But every time they, the, the Holy Ghost nudged them and said, I want you to do this, that, go here, go there, do this, do that, then they said yes. And when you say yes to the nudges of the Holy Spirit, you change. But when you say no to the nudges of the Holy Spirit, you freeze in your growth and you don't change. They said yes every time. And they kept on changing. And that's how they became world changers. They became world changers because they changed themselves. You can't give what you don't have. You can't preach what hasn't happened to you. You can't impart what hasn't been imparted to you. So every time we say yes to change and we change to the glory of God, then we, we, we stay in God's arsenal to use us to bring change to other people. Have you, have you noticed that the wicked, the ungodly, in our nation, just say our nation, have already decided they're going to be world changers? They have set about to change our country, change our nation, where it's unrecognizable from where it began, to remove us from a Judeo-Christian ethic into something we don't know. The the, the wicked have said, I'm going to be a world changer. Then if they said it, so much more should the church of Jesus Christ, who Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. We should be world changers. I'm going to get this CD. This is worth hearing. We need to hear this. How many of you want to be a world changer? I said, how many of you want to be a world changer? I'm looking at a a sanctuary full of people who are called to be world changers. You're called to be a world changer. You're called to be a people changer. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Go shine. Go be salty. The person who turns to Christ goes from chained to changed, to changer. 
We go from chained to changed to changer. We sang it today, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone. As soon as your chains are gone, it's because you were changed. And if you've been changed, you're going to be a changer. See, you're supposed to be contagious. Jesus in you. you. Read about all these diseases going through the world. Everybody's contagious with something. Let me tell you something. The church is supposed to be contagious with Jesus. Where people catch it. They catch it. What's happened to you all got around that church? And they were contagious. What do you mean? I mean, I caught Jesus. You know that Jesus is caught more than he's taught? We're supposed to make him look attractive. God's greatest billboard is your face. <laughs> I wish you could see what I saw. A bunch of you went... Let me, let me tell you the truth about life. We're headed to the close. Watch this. Bound people bind people. Hurt people hurt people. Love people love people. And change people change people. You look at the disciples before Pentecost. Look at them. They're scared. They lack faith. They're intimidated. They're hiding they're trembling behind closed doors. They didn't fully understand God's plan. They were dazed and confused and perplexed. But after walking with Jesus, and particularly after the Holy Spirit fell upon them, on the day of Pentecost, they were bold, confident, assertive, standout, shining, unintimidated, Christ-like. That little band of fishermen who had caught nothing all night long changed the world. When the great changer changed them. The Holy Spirit took fishermen and prostitutes and ex-religious leaders and tax collectors and various family members, half-brothers of Jesus and other disciples and transformed them into world-rocking world changers. You're a world changer in the making. You're a people changer in the making. You. You. Oh, I'm too hung up, Pastor Jeff. You think I wasn't hung up? You think the disciples didn't have their hang-ups? But he was hung up for our hang-ups. Our world today needs change. Our community needs change. Our families need change. And there are so many people out there who don't believe in Jesus Christ, who don't know how to get to heaven. They're chained and not changed. What they need is a changer who has been changed, to sit down and talk to them. I was at Starbucks the other night, and I got talking to a young man. And he started pouring out all this stuff to me. How can there be a God if there's so much pain and sorrow and suffering and all of this? And I just started talking to him and sharing the Word with him. And I started quoting the Bible. It just started flowing out of me. I had no idea how I was going to respond to him because he was very cynical and very angry at things. And I just said, you know, God said to the whole world, I love you, when he hung on the cross. And let me tell you about this and let me tell you about that. And I began to minister the word of God to him over and over, verses flowing out. 
I do believe when I left, he was changed. He was at least nudged closer. Because I'm a people changer, and so are you. We are together. And we're changing the world one person at a time. So can we stand up together today? Can you say with me, I'm a people changer? That's your calling. You have been called to do that. Can you say with me, I'm contagious? <laughs> I was so contagious at Starbucks that night. I was so contagious. I was exuding contagion. <laughs> and you have to realize every time you walk into a place, you don't know it, but there's a light shining out of you. You're going to a restaurant right now, you're contagious. Go in there full of Holy Ghost contagion. And, and tell the waitress, hey, you did a great job. Can I pray with you? Spread it. Be an intentional spreader of your Christian contagion. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for change. Now, right now, with every head bow, where is the Holy Ghost nudging you? And what, what area of your life is the Holy Spirit nudging you to change? What is the Holy Spirit pointing to? Now, whatever it is, that's the next step in change. And if you say yes to him, you're going to change. So I want us to pray together that whatever the Holy Ghost, I know where he's pointing to me. I know what he's pointing to in my own life. And I, and I by his grace, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit to it and I'm going to change. So let's hold sanctified hands up to the Lord. Can we do it? Just, just lift up and say, Lord, wherever you're pointing, I want to obey God. I say yes. Change me. Now, if there is an area he's pointing to, and there is a great battle, and you don't want to give it up, you don't want to obey, I want you to pray a funny prayer. I want you to say, Lord, give me the desire to obey. Pray with me. Say, Jesus, give me the desire to obey you there so I can change. He's going to do it. There's a holy moment here right now. The Holy Spirit is here right now. He is the agent of change. The Holy Ghost is the agent of change.